Do you even know Gianni Versace? This is Diatribe. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This is Caleb, this is Diatribe. Okay, so it's been a week with a capital W. Okay, I'm in South Korea, I'm in Daegu, I'm a teacher, schools are closed, so... Me and the rest of the teachers are on our coronation day 1000. It's the beginning of the school year, right? So most teachers are starting new contracts and a lot of us had to move to, well, a lot of us moved to different schools and moved apartments and moved cities. I did all of the above and I'm in a new apartment and I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to be at home all day. There's a Starbucks within like line of sight of where I live. So I was spending all day there. I was there with my laptop, just like, okay, well, treating it like a public library, just hanging out. And then I realized, okay, so I could catch this. Like, I don't know, it should, <laughs> you never think it could happen to you, I guess. And now, now, now I'm scared to leave the house. I was like, fuck, okay, maybe I should, I don't know, read a Kindle book, which I did. Started this Kindle book. Well, I guess a real book too. I don't know. It's the unauthorized biography of... And a winter. I don't know. I guess because the school year hasn't started, or at least we haven't started teaching yet, it still kind of feels like new year, new me. So I'm like, maybe I should be like paying attention to people I look up to, trying to take a few leaves out of their books. Literally? You read a book and then what? Like, well, I guess better your life, right? So I don't know if anyone has tried these masterclasses. Masterclass is not just like, an interview with Oprah or <laughs> a podcast with Jay-Z. So it turns out, I don't know if you know this, it's like a whole thing online. It's Masterclass, one word, capital M, capital C, one word. And I don't know, it's kind of cute the way that they do it. It's like, I don't know, if anyone knows what Coursera is, Coursera, I don't know, it's where you can take college classes online from like presti prestigious universities. I don't know, I pretended to myself that I was going to do one for a while. Anyway, the way that they set up masterclasses are like a series of lessons, like actual lessons. They get, the, I don't know, the Anna Winter one, which is the one that I have been like on the edge of signing up for. You know, it's broken up into like a dozen video lessons and there's like a, PD, a cute little like PDF workbook. It's very cute. And I'm like, well, fuck, I might as well do something. And I don't know, the longer that I'm home, the more that 90, <laughs> the more than $90 for a single, for basically a bunch of TED Talks is starting to seem more and more worth it. Who the fuck am I to be taking a masterclass from, like, Anna Winter anyway? Like, I was like, um, am I the kind of person in the mid-twenties? Am I the kind of 20-something taking, like, am I going to look back on this at the t as a time where I was like, yeah, I was taking, I was really looking into people that I look up to, and one of them was Anna Winter. And I took a masterclass and I learned X and Y from her. And it was really part of my, part of me becoming who I am. And then I was like, sis, you just, you just, you just ate pasta with Heinz brand pesto. <laughs> Heinz brand. I mean, speaking of the coronavirus, I guess this goes pretty nicely into the headlines. What the fuck? I... I don't remember the last time I was really looking forward to seeing a movie. Like, I'm not an Avengers girl, I don't know, nothing Oscar nominated, looked particularly appetizing, and I don't know. Uh, 
it's kind of a weird fascination. I don't know. I wasn't looking forward to No Time to Die because I th- I had some suspicion that it was going to be some sort of incredible movie going experience because I mean, I had high hopes. That's saying a lot. I had hopes for Spectre, the last one, and it was it was the shittiest Daniel Craig James Wan movie and I was like, I don't know. The fact that he said publicly the tone of it was like I'm kind of I'm done with that. I'm it would be not just like, oh, we I had like a cute swan song of a movie. We left it in a nice place. It kind of came off like, sirs, I'm exhausted. I'm not going back to the Bond front. I'm not going back to the Bond franchise. And then I guess, and then he was suddenly back on board. And I mean, like the only way that that could have happened, I guess, was money. Because <laughs> I mean, when he signed on, there wasn't a script. I mean, the movie was delayed because... I don't know. They had someone on board to write the script and apparently this person, I don't remember who it was. The rumor was that this person wanted to kill James Bond off and apparently that was too much. And so I don't know that person dropped out and then they look for a new writer. And I guess that led us to the script that gave us the immortal line, stay in your lane. In the trailer, there's, I mean, the black 007, the young black millennial 007, or double O agent looking at Daniel Craig saying, stay in your lane. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to have a line like that in the movie, like, why not just like knock on the door of millennials and be like, have you heard about No Time to Die? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> look, I mean, it wasn't like the script is what brought him back. It must have been money. And so I'm like, oh, this um, interesting strategy. Let's see how it works out for them. And then like, <sighs> point is the movie has been postponed. The movie was supposed to come out early April and now it's been postponed to November and people have died and this is kind of what has hit me hardest. I don't know what that says about me as a human being, but anyway, Daniel Craig was on like SNL last week because I guess they booked him and no backsees. Like, why can't we have nice things? Is the only high budget movie that I can watch like a shitty Disney remake or like an Avengers movie. Like now I have to wait until November to see No Time to Die. Coronavirus is going way too far. All right, well, I guess No Time to Die was postponed because No Time to Die. Speaking of shitty Disney remakes, there's going to be an Aladdin sequel. Don't feel bad if you're not excited. Literally no one is. I was reading up on this and turns out the first Aladdin, I mean, the Aladdin remake that came out last year made over a billion US dollars. I mean, go off, I guess. Besides being completely grossed out by Will Smith being shirtless. That was the weirdest part of the movie. Not just that he was, it was made me very uncomfortable to see Will Smith without a shirt. It's like, and I was like, why is it weird actors are shirtless all the time? But I mean, like, it's like seeing an uncle half naked. I mean, even if it's poolside, it doesn't feel appropriate. Just like, could you please be clothed at least down to your knees and elbows like you're making me uncomfortable will smith i don't care how good he looks shirtless i'm gonna need him to put some clothes on if he's gonna be shirtless in the next movie i'm not watching it someone said to me like they watched the aladdin movie they really liked it but (laughs) they said like if you think about it aladdin had like very little to do with the movie they might as well have called the movie jasmine it must suck to play like the titular role and come off as like supporting cast Look, I mean, I still, I don't know. I think I'm going to start a change.org petition. I'd buy tickets for strangers to this movie if they got RuPaul to play Jafar.
Like it's. <laughs> Why does that seem like a fit? RuPaul, by the way, has also got like a masterclass, I think, teaching what is it? Self expression? Self expression and authenticity, I think. Which I mean, like. Why would anyone like why would anyone sign up for RuPaul finding a dozen different ways to say if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you gonna love somebody else? You know, we get to choose our family. I never really got into American horror story. I tried watching I tr- I tried watching the third season because I don't know, it was witchy and I was like, oh okay, there hasn't been anything witchy, entertaining, aesthetically pleasing, two out of three of those since I guess charmed. Or the craft. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll try getting into this. And I don't know, I just never... I don't know if it made me feel like weird spiritually. Or I just stopped watching. But like, I don't know, that's where it died for me. I mean, I did try watching Freak Show also. But then like, I, I, I was like, this is not for me. With that weird clown guy and then Jessica Lang didn't have legs. But I mean, here's something I didn't see coming. Macaulay Culkin is going to be on the 10th season. First of all, American Horror Story is going on for, is going for its 10th season. Which I guess is nice. It's kind of comforting to know that Evan Peters has something to do. Would Macaulay Culkin starring in the 10th season be enough to get you to start watching again if you've stopped? I don't know. It's almost enough to get me back into the show. I don't know. Something is weirdly creepy about him already. Like, they've had a lot of... I mean, there was... I don't know. I read that... What's her name? The woman from Dynasty. Joan Collins. She was in the last season, I think, and that was cute. Oh, I imagine it was cute. I didn't see no, not a 10-second clip from it. But then, I mean, they had her on. They had Joanne. Joanne on season five, I guess. I don't know who else was on. But I mean, Macaulay Culkin, I kind of... It's kind of interesting. Not least of all because I would kind of be... Kind of be afraid to be alone in a room with him. Is it offensive to say he has a school shooter face? Like if Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin, <laughs> if I read the headline tomorrow that he shot up a school, I'd be like, okay, well, if it's going to be anyone, which is weird because he's pushing for, not pushing 40, he's about to turn 40, four, four zero years old. Is it me or is that like kind of wild? But, you know, good for him. Taking time out from texting Michael Jackson through a Ouija board to <laughs> do something interesting on TV. Good for you, Macaulay. We're rooting for you. We're all rooting for you. Speaking of Michael Jackson, his youngest child bought... I don't know, it's harder to believe that Macaulay Culkin is turning 40 than it is to know that Michael Jackson's youngest child is 18 and buying a house for like $2 million. Go off blanket. Proper fall. I know they hope I fall. Uh, I think about that line. I mean... (laughs) I don't think, I mean, you hear Nicki Minaj, like, brag about having written all her raps, and I was like, you know, they're not that great, sis. Everyone can believe that you wrote them on your own, but I mean, just that line on its own is enough for me to let her have it. Like, okay, you're a writer. You uh, you have some talent. When I hear, when I hear Propofol, I know they'll perform. <laughs> On on the Beyonce Flawless remix, I'm just... <laughs> it's like, it's almost in the same league as a white person saying the N-word. Like, how is this? Is this allowed? 
So no one told you life was gonna be this way. There's gonna be... There's gonna be a Friends reunion special. And at first I was like, okay, are they too old for this? And I mean, I don't think that's ageist. It's been 25 years this year. And I was like, okay. I hope it's like... I was thinking to myself, TV special? That'd be cute. Maybe a movie would be better. Because I mean, like TV special, think about it. If it was... They come back for like an hour long episode. You know, they're going to work in Joey saying, how you doing? Or like Joey and Rachel doing a we were on a break, but just like Phoebe's going to sing Smelly Cat, Chandler in the corner saying, could you be any more adjective? And I mean, those are less likely, I guess, to happen in a movie or at least, I don't know, more on the forgivable side if it's a movie. So... It kind of shocked my corn when I found out that this is going to be like an unscripted special. So why is everyone like losing their minds? Has the cast of Friends not been in the same room with the camera on them in 25 years? Is it really that big of a deal? Are we really calling this like, it's finally happening, the Friends reunion. So the fuck what? They're going to be like, they're going to be out of character. I read that like, so supposedly they're going to be paid, well, they're all, all going to be paid the same amount, which is like between two and three million dollars. And I was like... Okay, that's nice. But I mean, this is going to be an unscripted special. So what? Who cares about what I... Look, I mean, I don't think it's too much to say, look, who gives a fuck what? <laughs> okay, you know what? I care about what... What's her name? Lisa Kudrow had to say about where Phoebe was today. Like if she said, I feel like Phoebe would be doing X. That I'd kind of be interested in. I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. But I mean, do we really give a fuck about what? Like David Schwimmer. <laughs> or like Jennifer Aniston talking about... Yeah, I think, Ross, I think Rachel would be doing so-and-so. I feel like they'd be in this point in their life. Like, who gives a fuck? I mean, the only way that anyone... I mean, unless you're playing the character, no shade, but your opinion does not matter. I mean, we might as well think about it for ourselves. In fact, I mean, that's the fun of it, right? Thinking about where the characters might be today. I mean, that's the least that we get now that the characters are off air and I mean you're not bringing them back so are we supposed to be getting our lives from the thought of the six of them sitting down talking about like wow that was pretty wild or like yeah I have been doing this that and the other oh yeah people still like think I'm the character or like yeah this cute thing has been happening to me I mean like if it's an hour-long special you know the first 10 minutes are going to be like if there's a live audience, them applauding for 10 minutes, then whoever's hosting it, greeting them and being like, oh, you look great or whatever. And them just like smiling and not really saying much. And then <laughs> and then they're going to show a bunch of clips. Then, I mean, I guess they might. I'm trying to think about what could be really like. What's excitable? What's like, what is exciting about this? Like, am I missing something? I watched like, and I watched Friends, like I binged all, was it 10 seasons? Like I watched the whole thing beginning to end last year, which I feel like even though I don't like live for the show, I feel like, okay, I have a stake in this because at least I watched it, watched it recently. But like, no one cur. And I mean, think about it this way, right? I mean, if they were like the Beatles of television for the 90s, if the Beatles came back, I mean, the only thing that would be exciting is if, I mean, I know, you know, not all of them are alive. But I mean, just like hypothetically, if they were all, for argument's sake, if they were all alive, and I mean, the only reunion that would matter would be like, I don't know, if they were 
releasing new music or at least like touring right but i mean so would you who would give a who would who would care if they were just like sitting down talking about like yeah that was really crazy when this was released or whatever i don't listen to the beatles like would we would anyone care if they just like sat down for the first time in like 25 years or however long to talk about what that was like not really right Anyway, this is supposed to be like the main selling point of HBO Max, which is apparently different than HBO Go, which is already a thing. HBO Max is, I guess, the Netflix. HBO Max is the Netflix competitor coming in May. And this is like the big thing, the Friends reunion special. I don't know, am I supposed to be excited to pay $15 a month to watch a roundtable with six actors who used to be on like a hit show? Like, come on. Apple TV Plus had the morning show and that was interesting. That was, like, kind of exciting. Like, Peacock, the NBC, like, coming soon streaming service is going to have, like, a bunch of reboots. I mean, HBO Max is, if this is you blowing your load, you can keep it. You can come elsewhere. I don't know, there's a lot going on in TV. I mean, speaking about, speaking of 25 years and hit television shows, I mean, did you even know that Judge Judy was still going on? My girl has been on the air for 25 years. I don't know, if you get your life from Judge Judy... She's coming to streaming. She's coming to streaming. Look out for Judy Justice coming to an unnamed streaming service soon. Judy Justice, the name Judy Justice for a show makes me feel like they want the show to be like approachable and they want to humanize Judge Judy. I don't want my Judge Judy to be human. (laughs) I don't want her to be approachable. I don't want her to be like, I don't want her to crack a smile. I would rather the show be like, Judge Judith Scheindlin. I don't know. I want episodes. I want the show to be something like, I want it to have like a super long title with a colon in the middle. I want the show to start with, I mean, if they're going to do a streaming service and like make it remix what Sister Judy is doing on TV, like, I mean, I want to see her walking into the courtroom every day with like Starbucks in one hand and a gavel in the other hand. I'm walking up those steps. People trying to get out of her way as she walks to wherever she needs to be like, Judy Justice? All right. Okay, don't even pretend that you didn't live for at least one Usher song at one point in your life. When did it become, like, uncool to stan Usher? I feel like everyone liked Usher before they developed their own personal taste. Like, who knew? I don't know, maybe I'm just projecting. But, like, who really knew what they liked music-wise and really stand Usher? Like, is that unfair? Anyway... Sis got on stage and performed, like, something... I don't know if he called it Confessions Part 3 or whether other people were calling it Confessions Part 3, but I don't know. He led everyone to believe that he was going to take time off from full-time looking like Hermit the Frog to release new music. (laughs) He looks like Hermit the Frog. He just does. He just... Like, he just does. Water is wet and Usher looks like a Muppet. I mean, like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, I don't know, it doesn't seem to me like an artist's artist who is really, like, doing it for the love or just is won't quit until he makes, like, the perfect R&B album. Like, why are you still doing this? I mean, all you're doing is tarnishing your legacy. You're not going to sell as well as you used to. I mean, if you're doing it for the money, it's not going to come from record sales. You might, you could tour with your old stuff anyway. Like, what are you doing this for? <laughs> like, he released a trap album. I think it was last year. With, like future and somebody else on it like mr raymond what what's what is the plan 
I don't know. This is one of those f- those like rare news items where it's like I really don't care, but I'm also wanting to know exactly how it pans out. Like I want to know exactly how many. <laughs> if I released an album, I'd be like, okay, really, I'm really curious about how many units he sold in the first week. I want to know if the song, if the lead single charted. I want to know. I want to know the Metacritic score, even if I'd rather like burn my own hair or like hear Rihanna sing live then listen to his new album anyway turns out there was nothing to confessions part three him performing confessions part three whatever that is at a live show he went on ellen like i think it was last week and she asked him hey when's new music coming out and he was like soon i mean okay i mean i guess doing a sequel to your best received project is like your best shot at this i'm trying not to sound shady is the best shot that you have at like this coming off is like relevant i mean if he did like if he did a thing if he did a single with like little john and ludicrous i'd be here for it i'd i would definitely stream it i think i'd just like have it on repeat even if it sucked just out of like pure fascination <laughs> but i mean if this is just like unless you're like really gonna lean into this nostalgia i mean like just 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 like go away let it burn <laughs> you've reached the climax I mean, I feel like it's kind of interesting to talk about whether there's space or a market for new Usher music, but I mean, just even before I... Like, just for the fun of it, I, I used to, I I would love to complain that... Uh, like, 10 years ago, Lady Gaga was saying that she wanted to make pop music cool again or whatever, and it's just fun to complain that she's that she's not really putting out music as the artist she was when she came out. I was I was just kind of exhausted when I heard that she that Lady Gaga was putting out a new single. Like, no. And then I heard. I mean, just the title of the song is exhausting. It's okay. The song is called "Stupid Love." It came out Friday, and it's you just like you know you know hearing the title that it's not just it's not two dimensional. It's not just a pop song. "Stupid Love" means something. It's like it's like I'm already like bracing myself for it to be a com- commentary on like what love is and like the different types of love and what it means to be in love. And like, you can never just, I mean, I don't want to say like, shut up and sing, but sis, can a song just be a song? Like art pop couldn't just be an album. It had to be like a reverse Warholian expedition. Even Joanne, which was like stripped down, had to be like, I mean, you couldn't listen to the album without knowing the backstory about like a dead aunt, like Born This Way had to be the album of the millennium. Like, can it just be a song like can it just be a single and then like then like you watch the video and you listen to the song and it's just her ripping off grimes aesthetic from like 2013 like go off i mean the album is called chromatica it's coming out april 10th and like there's already all this nauseating rhetoric about like the sound spectrum and the sine wave and her adding like a dozen dimensions to what the album means and its place in society, like, sis, what happened to just, like, putting out music? What happened to just, I mean, your first single was literally just dance. Like, do you have to give a TED Talk every time? Do you have to give a TED Talk or a masterclass on, what, on like, life as a human being every time you put out new music? I feel like it's fair to say that, I think it's fair to expect or, like, want accessible music from a pop star, like... Look, I'm not saying you have to be Kesha, but, like, just, can you not do the most? Like, I don't want to have to be a pop music stan to 
like enjoy your music. I feel like there's so much you need to hear all this hot air before you can know what the music is about. Like, can't you? I mean, that's literally that's what the lyrics of Force is. Like, put what the song means into the lyrics of the song. Like, put it in the subtext. Put it in the title. Put it in the music. Like, can you just put it in one place? When I heard Katy Perry was pregnant, I was like, good for her. Good for you. You had a great pop music career for 10 years and you're doing what Nicki Minaj was just allergic to doing, which was just accepting that your wave is crested and just going on and enjoying your money and living your life. Like, she put out a few singles last year. I mean, I loved, I really loved one, uh, Never Really Over, which, is, which I think was the best pop song of 2019. But I mean, like, it didn't chart and she put out another one. That did even worse. And like, then she did like an interview or two saying, yeah, no, I'm just putting out singles and having fun. Like she makes, like she makes pop music. The music was not pop popular. And so she just was like, okay. And she like went away. And now she's pregnant. And I was like, good for you, sis. Love your life. Go all the way. Tonight, no regrets. Just love with Orlando Bloom and have your baby and like, you know, just be happy. <laughs> Do you. Do Orlando Bloom. Good for her. And then and then there was a tweet about a new single or a music video or both. And I was just like, oh, gosh. <laughs> Come on. Can we have just one pop star reading the room and just moonwalking out of the conversation? Like, on the one hand, it's kind of like, I think it's kind of interesting. Because, like, Mariah Carey has All I Want For Christmas Is You, which is going to chart every year. And, like... That's kind of a genius way to stay relevant. And like Shania Twain had, you're still the one which is like going to be a wedding song for, I mean, until like the end of time. Has anyone tried to make like a pregnancy song? I don't think so. So, I mean, it's kind of like interesting strategy. Let's see how it plays out. But I mean, like those, those are only really exciting when the artist does it in like their prime. Mariah Carey was like five years in. <laughs> I think so was Shania Twain. Katy Perry is like a decade in the game and not charting anymore. And just, I wish you'd done it sooner. So I guess it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for her. But I mean, like, bro, does it really matter? No shade, but like, if your pussy isn't popping anymore, just like, go away, make a life choice. There's no, there's no shame in walking away. Dave Chappelle walked away from $50 million. You can walk away from a record deal. All right, I guess that's it for what's in the headlines this week. Let's take a break. Ladies, gentlemen, non-binary, agenda, tops, bottoms, it's time for the diatribe portion of the program. Do you have something to say? Did nobody really ask for it? My good sis, you have a diatribe. Okay, I guess a lot of the time... I've used the segment for something that's not really newsy, but I mean, and I mean, this is also, I mean, mm. this is something that was on that really affect, affected me, was heavy on my heart, like years ago. You probably heard about when Apple was busted for throttling people's iPhones because their batteries were degrading and it was supposed to be like prolonging the life of the device. And look, they got busted for planned obsolescence and here we are i guess some people were just like i mean besides like airing your opinion back then 
airing first airing your frustration. I was like, what are you going to do? Sue them? A couple of people did. I think it's like iPhone 5S SE up to like an iPhone 7 ish. If you got one of those in America slash R American, you can roll up without a receipt and get a whole entire 25 US dollars. <laughs> What's the value of the, the time you wasted waiting for like an app to launch? But I mean, if you think about it, the battery replacement program, it was like slashed from 70 something dollars to I believe $29. So I mean, that doesn't really even cost the cover the cost of the battery replacement. So like, okay. I mean, just to be clear, there was also a, there was a similar case in like brought against them in Brazil and the Brazilian government, the Brazilian court said, um, there was no wrongdoing here. Looks like they really were doing this for the good of the user experience and this is fine. But I don't know if there was any, if there's anyone out there, like, I don't think this was just a case of, well, let's complain about something because why not? I don't feel like anyone heard the news that like they, okay, they came out and quietly said that they were throttling iPhones and anyone was like, oh, okay. So you were just trying to prolong the life of my device and let me have a better user experience. They were like, no, everyone I knew or just like... <laughs> The tweets that I read and the articles that I perused were all like, look, they were busted. They they admitted what everyone said they were doing, which is that they were slowing down older devices so that people would have to buy new ones. I mean, like, you kind of like, this is like, like, since when is Apple here for the user experience? Like, I mean, and the easy thing to say is like the butterfly keyboard, which if you don't know, if you bought a MacBook from like 2015, roughly up until late last year, like you were forced to use like their shitty butterfly keys, which like, I mean, I personally like the feel of them. I think it's pretty cool. I like that it's like a shallow press. I like the clacky sound. I mean, I don't have one, but I mean, so I don't know what it's like to live with it, but I, I think the concept is cool. I think it's pretty aesthetically pleasing, but I mean, they were supposedly like failing at an, like a huge rate. Like, I mean, if you don't know, the keyboards were just failing for years. There were articles, there were petitions, there were lawsuits about the poor user experience. Like, what did you do for four years? You just gaslit your customers saying that, no, there's nothing wrong. It's just like a very small user base and this is fine. This is fine. So you expect the public to believe that this like throttling iPhones was because of the user experience? Like, why don't you fuck off? What really got me about this at the time and why I'm like glad that they have to pay out something. I mean, it's gotten cost. It's like, it's $25 to Americans, but I mean, which is like, okay. It's not going to change your life. It's barely going to change your day. I mean, if you're using an iPhone, 20, what is $25 going to do for your life? But I mean, it's going to cost them like between 300 and 500 million, depending on how many how many people claim the payout. The reason that creams my corn in a good way is that, I mean, like, like you tried it. You really tried it and like it failed. <laughs> I mean, they didn't admit wrongdoing, but I mean, like, why would they? Like the fact that there's a new iPhone every year, the fact that they're new MacBooks like every two, a new iPad every year, the fact that they become obsolete eventually. Like that's all, you're already pushing and that's what like really fucks me up. If you ever watch the keynotes, which I do, I don't know, I don't know, I will sit through like a 90 minute keynote about, of Tim Cook and whoever the fuck, Phil Schiller, Craig Federighi, why do I know these people's names? talking about a new product, I, I will watch them, right? And they're always talking about like how powerful the devices are and like how much of an improvement they are. Then why are they obsolete in five years? Like, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, you listen to Tim, Tim Cook on stage and he's like, the iPad is now not only the most popular tablet, 
It's the most popular computer in the world. Like fuck, like sit on a dick and die. If it's so powerful, why can I not use it? Why is it like, why is the user experience so fucked up that I can't use it? Like not that far into the future. What really pisses me off is that they're sold. And I mean, this doesn't really, if iPads are iOS devices, or at least they were. And I mean, I guess this only, only, only really affects iPhones. But I mean, what? I think on principle, I can still be pissed off, so I'm going to be. iPads are sold. Follow me on this, right? iPads are sold as simple devices that anyone is supposed to be able to pick up and know how to use. They're supposed to be. They're marketed as computer replacements. Like Steve Jobs sat on stage and positioned it as like an item you would like a device that you would just have around the house and use for basic internet tasks like looking up movie times or checking your email on the toilet. That is literally something that he said he wanted to use it for. You're capitalizing on like, you're tell you're trying to make people s you're trying to make people feel safe by having devices and products that just work and they're just better. Why should they not be able to use it reasonably? Not that far down the road. And I mean, the reason this is safe to say, I mean, it took them four years to admit that the butterfly keyboard was not working and that it was failing. And that a lot of, like, a ton of people, I mean, if it, if it was out of warranty, you had to pay, like, something ridiculous, like $800 to have the keyboard replaced. So that was just a thing that you had to do. So, like, we already know you don't give a fuck about the user experience. It's not about making sure that the user has a good time. And I mean, that took them four years to fix on one device. <laughs> I mean, like, the new, like, fixed keyboard is only available on their, like, most expensive, like, two-and-a-half-ish thousand-dollar machine. The rest of the devices are still, like, using a keyboard that are, like, that is, that will likely fail at some point. So what the fuck do you care about the user experience? After they were busted, after they admitted that, I mean, they were, uh, after they admitted what they were doing to the battery... And I guess they were hoping that it didn't really break into the news cycle. But then after it did and people were reporting on it and they were like, how, how, how dare you, Apple? And they announced or quietly said that, yes, we are, we are throttling your iPhone in December 2017. And then they came through with like an iOS fix that made like opening apps, I think, like 40% faster. Performance was improved by, I don't quote me, but I think it's, I think it was like 70% on like an iPhone 6 Plus just these insane improvements in speed and usability of their devices within like six, within like half a year. So this was something that you could do. You could. And then that like iOS update, I think was one of the first, or if not the first, to be available on all the devices that the previous version of iOS was available on. So suddenly you can improve the user experience. Suddenly you're able to profit less off of a problem that you can avoid. <laughs> I've always thought that like them positioning the iPad as a laptop replacement was like fucking a hole in the wall and hoping it'll turn into a vagina. Like the iPad is not a computer. Like it's just, I know there's like iPad OS, which just came out and they're saying like, I mean, at best it's a laptop alternative. But Tim Cook is standing up on stage, sounding like Mr. Garrison saying, this is the most, in, now also the most popular computer in the world. Like fuck off. But I mean, there are people who don't know who are buying into this. And, like, you're taking advantage of them. Like, the battery problem might only affect iPhones, but, I mean, I've seen what older iPads are like. Even if they're running, like, even if the battery life is not horrific, if it's still kind of decent, unless you have, like, a static web page open, they, like, they, they're slow beyond use. So you're throttling iPhones, making them unusable, and you're trying to tell everyone, well, no, this is, we just want you to have a better time. We're trying to prolong the life of 
your device. And I'm sure, you know what they do want to, and I mean, this is not just me speculating. This is this is what they've spoken to. I don't know who it was specifically. It might have been Phil Schiller. It might have been Tim Cook. The reason that these devices are supposed to last so long is for the secondary market, is for like developing developing markets or third world countries. That's why they're supposed to last so long, is so that you can resell them and they can get more people into the Apple ecosystem. But, you know, goodness forbid that they function like other devices running the same software. Like, don't admit that you're doing this and then tell me you're doing me a favor. Like, 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 have a stadium full of seats and, like, choke in a bucket of c- I mean, it's great that iPhones are supported for as long as they are, but you're, like, you're, you're degrading the user experience. So, I mean, what if it, like, technically can run the user, the, the, the new, like, the latest software update? It's a qualitatively worse experience than using the same software on a new device. And this is obviously something that you could avoid because, like, within six months, suddenly you can, like, improve the app launching time and um, the performance of the device. And just you can do all these things within six months. Like, that is something that you could obviously easily do. But you didn't so that you could go another route that, like, bled your customers dry. Like, how the fuck dare you? You don't get to decide how the customer uses the device that they paid for. I mean, they're not renting it. Like, they're paying for these products clean and clear. Like, I mean, if you bought... If you, like, you didn't lease a car, like, you bought a car. Like, I mean, it's not the manufacturer's place to say, yeah, you know, this is a little old and we're not, like, really happy that um, this bears our name and it's not really working optimally. So we're just, like, going to make it, like, a really bad experience for you to use this. Like, if you take care of a car, you should be able to use it as long as you want. I mean, even if you don't... You should be able to have a decent experience. You should get to have the experience that you paid for for as long as you own the device. Like, do you get what I'm saying? I feel like that makes sense. Like, if someone has an iPhone that they bought and they're, like, happy with a single camera and, a, like, a, like, lower quality screen, that is their call to make. I mean, that's the law of software updates. Like, you buy, you buy this device... And there's an update the next year that even though there's like a newer device that's like shinier and has this new feature or two, you kind of get to have the same experience because you get the same software as them, right? That's what you're playing into. And that's the thing that is fucking customers over. And you just thought you could get away with it. Like you really thought, Mr. Cook. Cook me up a fuck to give. I hope you, <laughs> I hope you have to pay all 500 million of those coins. And I hope we see less of this in the future. Go to your room and think about what you've done. <laughs> That's been another episode of Diatribe. Um, I've got to mention this at the beginning of the show, but yeah, episodes are now, if you care, episodes now are going to come out on Tuesdays. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at InfiniteCaleb, spelled like it sounds. I'd like to dedicate this episode to the nice young man at Starbucks, who moments before I recorded this show was like, so you're here every day. Um, have you thought about <laughs> signing up for our loyalty program? I've been spending my days at the Starbucks near my house. And this man, nice man speaks like really good English. And I live in Korea. He speaks like really good English. And he took time out of his day to show me how to use the half Korean, half English Starbucks app. Get a physical like rewards card. And part of me is kind of glad that someone noticed that I'm at that establishment every day. Like, yes, I am here every day. I don't know if I feel proud or ashamed of that fact, but I feel like it means something and you acknowledged it and there's that. So I would like to dedicate this episode to you, young sir. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, and like a few other places. 
feel free to check out the landing page for the show, which is diatribe.costos.com, diatribe.castos.com. I'll be back Tuesday next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.